What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. For our first question, Oncoming Storm 7 asks, what upcoming 2022 Star Wars project are we most excited about? It's Kenobi for me, for sure. I mean, the, partially just because it's the next thing and it's hard to focus on anything else. But even before Book of Boba Fett, I was like, I'm, I'm excited for Boba Fett, but Kenobi is kind of the big thing. I Boring answers, I guess, but same. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kenobi is just... It's one of those things that we've been looking forward to a really long time, and I think it's going to get all levels of fans excited because it's Kenobi, it's Ewan McGregor, you know, we're getting Hayden back, so it's a big deal. Yeah, it, it was something that people wanted. The second Disney made that announcement that they were buying Star Wars, everyone was like, Ewan, can we get more Ewan? Like, <laughs> And then, of course, the... The rumors for years and years where everyone kept asking him if he was playing the character again. He's like, I'm just waiting for the call. And everyone's like, we know. <laughs> just say it. <laughs> so it feels like this big build up to something that we have wanted to see for so long. I'm still excited for everything else. I think Andor is going to be a surprise, or at least I hope. Just the fact that it's going to be this different kind of spy thriller. I'm mm -hmm. excited to revisit that sort of genre in Star Wars. I enjoyed the Bad Batch season one, so I, I want to see more of that. And of course, The Mandalorian, I'm assuming that comes out this year as well, which I think it's supposed to. Uh, we we all got so hyped over the Mandalorian episodes in the book of Boba Fett, and I want to see what happens there. But, you know, Kenobi is where it's at right now for me. Joseph Mazakis wants to know what the end game is for a character like Grogu. To and, be in my arms. <laughs> yeah. Joseph is kind of talking about what's going to happen after the Mandalorian is Grogu going to be post sequel content store like is is he planting seeds for stuff to happen hundreds of years down the line and I definitely think that's possible we've talked about Grogu being potentially like the new Ahsoka where mm. he's gonna live forever he could pop up at any time like he's gonna live for a thousand years ish so maybe but I don't think any of that is in mind right now. Yeah. I don't think John Favreau made this character thinking of how it'll affect the future timeline of Star Wars. I think he's just made a, a character for his story. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you get right down to it, Grogu is popular because he's small and cute and adorable. And will people still... I, I know I will, but will people still like him so much when he's older and looks a little bit more like Yoda. <laughs> Elderly Grogu. Yeah. Instead of baby Yoda, he's Elder Grogu. But like, yeah, so to to the mass population, he wouldn't be as marketable, not quite as cute, but like, there's a lot of potential for his story down the line because I assume he's going to spend the rest of Din's life with him. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, he left Luke, so he's yeah. like, I'm in it till the end, man. Yeah, he chose Din. <laughs> but I'm excited to see how he helps Din going forward with Din's journey. Like, is he going to be a tiny Mandalorian foundling? Right. As far as his end game, I think it's mostly right now in Favreau's mind for this series. I don't think there's any end game beyond that that... He Favreau and Filoni are thinking about it's just like how do we tell the best story right now like Lucas didn't even create Darth Vader as Luke's father 
Lucas made Darth Vader as a villain in this story right now. And then they're like an end game evolved within that trilogy. And of course, like Darth Vader's role has grown and grown or same with someone like Darth Maul, where he was just meant to be a cool, scary villain in the Phantom Menace. He wasn't meant to come back in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. But when the story called for it, it's like, yeah, let's do it. So yeah, I don't think there is an actual end game for Grogo, Grogo, Grogu <laughs> beyond the Mandalorian right now. Aaron Young asks if we'll ever see Tamir Morrison in the spotlight of Star Wars again. Specifically in live action, like was the book of Boba Fett kind of Boba Fett's, not swan song, but like his last big story. Is this assuming we are or aren't getting a season two of Boba Fett? I don't know, either way. Because I get the feeling that we are going to get a season two, but I would also love it if, I mean, he would probably wouldn't be the spotlight, but I would love it if he came in as Rex or like another clone. Yeah. There's, there's so much potential there. You know, I hadn't even considered that. Like I was thinking Boba Fett, but right, Rex could be in the Ahsoka series. It's like Tamira Morrison really hit the jackpot where he's like, I could play. <laughs> infinite characters mm -hmm. we need some clone that survived it could be rex it could be cody it could be someone else like get him on the phone <laughs> so i i was thinking in the boba fett context and i'm like i think i kind of want book of boba fett to just be one season i've been saying before that i kind of thought there'd be a second but i really do like what they said with the character in his book mm -hmm. and i definitely think he'll appear in the mandalorian shows moving forward but i don't know how much else they can or want to say about boba fett specifically yeah I, i've said from the beginning that i would prefer that this was just a one season thing and yeah they could definitely have him pop up in other seasons of other shows um so i would prefer that it the story kind of be over for just that show but i could also see them making another season yeah it could go either way robert miller wants to know if star wars has overplayed killing and resurrecting characters i mean i've obviously have my thoughts about this i've this is a hot topic. shared them many times and i definitely do think that you know if you ki kill a character they should stay dead i am right now of the opinion that like cad bane should stay dead but i do think they've at least laid some groundwork some evidence to where if they decide he's not, then it'll feel a little more natural than bringing back like Darth Maul or uh, Palpatine. Mm -hmm. If if they continue to do this, I'm going to call that Star Wars is becoming a little too soap opera for me. Because like it, it's frustrating to get someone's full story arc or what we think is a full story arc. And then they pop back up just for whatever reason, you know, like, oh, it would be cool if they came back and then they just kind of wave their hand about how or why. Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, Star Wars has been a soap opera or space opera since The Empire Strikes Back and The Secret I Am Your Father reveal. And then yes. also uh, Leia is your sister. And also I built C-3PO and like there, <laughs> there have been those twists for decades now. I also am accepting of the fact that Star Wars is a mythology, and these characters represent archetypes. So, yeah, sometimes they want the archetype to come back, and it's like, do we 
create a new character for this specific archetype, like the same basic character, or do we just find a way to bring them back? And, you know, it it, it always kind of makes me go like, uh, when they do it, but mm. it, it works just as often as it doesn't. I mean, Star Wars is a money-making franchise, first and foremost, and sure, we want to see new characters and new storylines and stuff, but, you know, as a company, you know, they have to be a little bit careful about, like, oh, do we do something brand new? Are people going to like it? Is it going to bomb? If they bring Luke Skywalker into something, automatic (laughs) ratings are sky high and everybody loves it. So it's... They see that and they're like, well, what if we brought this person back who's really popular already with people? Yeah, that's all valid. But I also do get frustrated when it's like clearly business decisions are now uh, the driving force behind the art of storytelling. And that gets to be a little bit like, Ugh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But but, if they, but it's a valid point. Yeah, if they can work the story you know, work it into the story well enough, then it's fine. I don't mind. Yeah. I mean, I've said it over and over, but Darth Maul is like the perfect example of you definitely killed this dude. You shouldn't bring him back. Caught him right now. But then you brought him back and it was pretty awesome. So (laughs) it can work. Yeah. Tom Strand asks what we thought of the Rings of Power trailer. So taking a little tangent away from Star Wars. Uh, I... Only watched it once. We watched it once. And I thought it had some cool imagery in it. Uh, I am so not familiar with the second age. um, So I don't really know what I was looking at. But I liked the imagery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really too early to tell. The trailer itself looked great. I think it, for, for my preferences, it looked a little too heavy on the CGI. But I think that that's just their way of being like... Look how amazing this season is going to be. And like, this is what we spent that 400 plus million dollars on. Um, You did say something like it looked a little more like The Hobbit than it looked like Lord of the Rings. And I would agree with that. I also have to point out that it's not supposed to quite fit in with Peter Jackson's adaptations, but it's like they're skirting a line to make it as close as they can. It is very strange in that regard. I like... My heart wants to see just like never ending hills of the Shire uh, that's shot in, you know, real life Uh in New Zealand. And I realize that like they're telling a much different story now. Uh, But yeah, I'm excited to learn more about the characters. The honestly, the still images that I've seen got me more excited than the trailer did yeah a little easier to study and like we just haven't taken the time to like go shot by shot uh for lord of the rings but i'm looking forward to learning the story of the second age and i i've read the silmarillion but i just could not tell you what happened in it for the most part because it reads like a history book uh it was kind of tough for me to get through but i'm like i do want to watch this mm-hmm. uh and we are planning on uh bringing back explain it to me over on our other channel for it like we made that show strictly because we wanted to do explain it to me with ashton for lord of the rings because he knows everything about <laughs> <laughs> lord of the rings and the silmarillion and all that on to youtube questions function seven and andre Moreira both ask if Cobb vanth could become a ranger of the new republic i could see that I 
I like that idea that he, you know, has protected Tatooine and maybe he buys into this idea that it's not just Tatooine, but it's other planets in the Outer Rim that we have to protect. Just kind of like Freetown learned that it doesn't matter if that's a city folk problem. It's Mm -hmm. going to affect us. It's very Phantom Menace, you know, like the Naboo and the Gungans, they form a symbiont circle and what happens to one will affect the other. And that's true on a galactic scale as well. So I would love to see Cobb Vanth, you know, go into other planets, kicking doors in. <laughs> I, I'm i not sold on the, the idea that he knows how to follow uh, rules from, you know, the official government of Star Wars. Sure. He, he has that line. I was like, I'm the one tells people what to do around here. And like, I think he likes the small town life, but it really depends on what happens with him going forward and what kind of uh, robot enhancements he may or may not have. (laughs) I totally agree with you, but I think that would make for some good character exploration of, yeah, someone who I'm the one that tells people what to do. I don't want to be told what to do, but a a leader learning to follow. Mm -hmm. I I think that makes for interesting storytelling. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, hoping to see him get an even bigger role (laughs) moving forward yeah i i think aside from him joining the the new republic to be a ranger i could see going forward him kind of like helping take care of not just freetown but all of moss isley and moss espa just like having a bigger job just on tattooing sure boba fett wants to know how valance would react to hearing that boba fett has become a hero so Valance is a character from the comics, largely. He was introduced back in the old Marvel comics from the 70s and 80s, uh, and they brought him back for the Bounty Hunters comics now. I, I and, Oh, yeah, and they've had some run-ins. Like, he and Boba Fett do not get along at all. They've tried to kill each other a handful of times. <laughs> and the last time that we know they saw each other, Boba Fett put a bomb on him and, like, blew him up. But he's mostly a cyborg, so he survived. <laughs> I think that Valance would be cool with that news i think he would even be happy about it and would like forgive boba fett because valance he used to be a stormtrooper and he regrets everything that he did as part of the empire so i kind of feel like he would be happy that boba fett also found some redemption but he's still a bounty hunter valance mm-hmm. as far as we know mm. I, he he's a bounty hunter in between the empire strikes back and return of the jedi at this moment this this feels like to me like when you're in middle school and you're like part of the the punk emo kid friend group and then you go, you move on to high school and then all of a sudden like one of your little punk emo friends becomes a football player and like dates a cheerleader and you're like okay is Boba Fett the nerd, football player here I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's like he, yeah he left the life of bounty hunting to to become this hero of this town and I could see Valance and like all, all the other bounty hunters being like, okay, we'll see how long this lasts or just being like, Ugh, what a dork. <laughs> yeah. No, you'll be back. I don't know. Valance is the kind of guy who he, he's a bounty hunter, but he's, he seems to hate himself quite a bit. So most I, emo kids do. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> I think he would probably be happy that one of them got out. Andrew Desco asks how we would feel if it were confirmed that Max Rebo was a mole for the Pike Syndicate and had a hand in bombing the sanctuary. 
I think that it hurts. would make me like him even more. That hurts my feelings. <laughs> he would never. No, I don't think he did. But if they if they made that a storyline, I think I would like it. Just because, you know, I, I said a couple weeks ago that, you know, Max Rebo is a bit of a joke character. And then everyone got mad at me and said, you're a joke. And I want to make it clear, <laughs> I love Max Rebo. I collect all of his merch. I think he's awesome. Uh, but he's a blue elephant piano player like that's that's the extent of his character so getting to see that he was like diabolical and helping the pikes i'm like all right that that gives you a little bit more gives him a third dimension instead of just being a one-dimensional character you know what else could give him a third dimension i i refuse to believe that he's like working for any of the bad guys uh i'm gonna say that for the last episode he went to Freetown and was taking care of the orphanage that's there and, like, doing his civic duty. He was playing to... the piano to make sure the kids were entertained. Yeah. He's, he's like, the the performer that goes to, to hospitals. Yeah. Well, I, I like now, because Freetown is kind of like that western town. So he could have gone there and they have... Instead of a red ball organ, they have like one of the old timey Western pianos, oh, yeah. and he's playing one of those with a little bowler hat on. <laughs> Daniel Raffles wants to know what we thought of the execution of the flashbacks in the Book of Boba Fett, and if we want to see that story style continue in future series. I thought the flashbacks were fine. I, I think the structure of the Book of Boba Fett was a little bit odd, but for the most part, the flashbacks in the present day, I think, were telling some parallel stories. Um, but I wanted to bring this question in because we have been talking about how so many films and or not films, but series shows have been using this flash forward, flashback structure mm -hmm. all of a sudden, not just in Star Wars, but like Yellow Jackets and Station Eleven on HBO. And we just started all of these series and I was like, Every one of these stories is doing the flashback, flash forward thing, and I think it's odd. Yeah, I mean, in the context of Star Wars, I was excited to see the idea of flashbacks coming in because we'll probably see it in Kenobi, hopefully like flashbacks of the Clone Wars stuff. And it's just a, a cool way to give us a glimpse at stuff that for characters that we know and love and like to show a little bit of what we may think may or may not happened in the past. But it's fairly new for Star Wars, and I, I like it. Yeah, like flashbacks just did not happen until Rogue One. And even that was like kind of dream-like. Jin mm -hmm. was dreaming, and that's when the flashbacks happened. Kind of like Boba Fett, uh, but not as long. And then The Last Jedi had a couple flashbacks. The Rise of Skywalker had a couple quick ones. So, yeah, it's like Star Wars didn't dabble in flashbacks for a while. And I am expecting flashbacks in Kenobi, so it feels like they're doing a lot. You know, as long as it's not every Star Wars story we get doing flash-forward flashback storytelling, it's fine. Like, I don't think Andor is going to do that. Bad Batch isn't going to do that. Mm. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. Um, I, I think that Boba Fett maybe leaned on it a little too much. But yeah. overall, I enjoyed it. I I can't remember where we heard this, but I read somewhere, maybe it was you, that one of the reasons why people think that a lot of storytelling these days are going 
backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards is because ever since the pandemic happened, people want to know, people want a sense of comfort knowing what happens in the future of a story compared to what's happening in the present or the past. And I thought that was really interesting. That's what I said. I did say that. Okay. Uh, we, we were just talking. I think we, it was about Station Eleven because Station Eleven is a pandemic story that flashes forward and it's not like a terrible hellscape. So I was like, yeah, it does kind of feel like a, we're in the midst of this pandemic. Let's flash forward 20 years and just show that, you know, like everything can work out. I, I wouldn't say everything worked out in Station Eleven. Most <laughs> of the planet died, but it's like happiness still exists. <laughs> yeah. And it gives the viewer like a sense of excitement to find out what happened in between those two points of the story. Mm -hmm. That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And as always, thanks for watching and may the force be with you.